Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC, via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. What happens when you discover that the plan you've made isn't the one that's going to work, but only a piece of what needs to be done? The fact is that no one thing is ever enough, regardless of the effort, and things have never been more true in this regard than during this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 5, Episode 9, Best Laid Plans. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Road to Infinity. I know we've been harping on it pretty hard, and we've just released, once again, the awesome Thor Perspective Review inside the Cone of Detail. Inside the Road, the run, up to Infinity War. It's coming here in May which for those of you that are listening in the future won't make any difference at all really but <laughs> true. what will make a difference is you going to listen to our perspective review of that movie because as I hope everybody remembers now I was not going to be a fan of anything Thor because I'm like wait, wait a second check box one Norse god eh. okay check box two rainbow bridge mm. okay not quite for how about how about checkbox three, indestructible hammer? Okay, well, let's see what happens. And what happened was something really extraordinary that I will not spoil by telling all of you here. But you're going to have to go and listen to the perspective review of 2011's Thor over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Thor, or go and visit all of our Infinity content in the Road to Infinity War over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Infinity. The Free Field Training Podcast. We've been talking about Tommy for a couple of weeks now, especially inside the housekeeping segments. But I am incredibly happy to report that that man is a machine when it comes to scripting, reading scripting, and then throwing it back my way to get edited. Right. He is amazing. It's going to be a fantastic show. And again, for those of you that have not made yourself familiar with the Free Field Training Podcast, the Free Field Training Podcast is a center devoted to information about security and law enforcement that really does spill onto an entire segment of people that don't know that they should be there also. Lots of common sense, awareness of surrounding stuff that I would recommend to everybody, not just the people inside of security and law enforcement circles. Go check it out soon at freefieldtrainingpodcast.com and be sure to tell Officer Tommy Model, two guys talking, sent you. Nick, there's so much to talk about inside this episode, our review of season five, episode nine, Best Laid Plans. Let's make plans. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, 
and the St. Charles Office Center. Talking Tech. The Cree energy rifles and their prep for power. I think that we had talked about the Cree energy rifles before and how taken I was with the the kind of rocket-based cone that's on the front of them anyway. It's a wonderful-looking weapon. One of the slights that I would give towards that rocket weapon would be that somehow there was a sh- sh- like a shotgun... But there's no moving parts in the thing at all except maybe the trigger mechanism. <laughs> so mm. that, that was very interesting and terribly intimidating. Also to showcase a complete lack of knowledge about firearms across modern day populace. Because everybody goes, ooh, whenever anybody hears the sh-cha. Even from a gun that doesn't have something like that. Well, true. No, it's always nice to see giant aliens toting ray guns. Yeah. And then getting their asses handed to them by <laughs> modern day firearms. Yes. The sweet irony of you mentioning that? Guns, guns, and more guns. How does this episode become a 25 already when Mike Wilkerson is watching the first two minutes of it? And the answer is... Well, it's either, either A, give him liquefied <laughs> quake mode, or B, shove a whole bunch more of guns, guns in front of his face. It's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. And it also is a, a, a complete showcase of what I want to expect. I want these people to be the guerrilla people that they're painting them as, that there's this... There's this lost trade of freedom that's going on inside of the station someplace. And now firearms just happen to be a part of it. And this absolutely helps foster all of that. In addition to really destroying instantly. And you can see why when you've got 40 projectiles aimed at two guys that can fire off a couple of a couple of discharge rounds in a couple of seconds right uh, that's just math and the math is not good for the blue people yeah. <laughs> now th- this was spectacular there's all kinds of weapons that are there obviously leftovers from uh, the the armory slash whatever the hell was left of inside of uh, shield or uh, yeah, whatever fits left uh, whatever for, fits for left right yeah and uh, it, it's extraordinary and i loved seeing it not only that, it's a great way to start an episode because it's it's a game of cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then boom, an ambush. Yeah, yeah. It's also a great ramp into the episode, too. For those who are listening to our podcast after this is aired, however long, whether it's a week or a year or 10 years, whatever it is, what you have to remember, too, is that you guys watching this episode after episode after episode until you're sick of watching episodes, you really do have a leg up. There's, there's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, so something you and I have talked about forever is that wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to watch this episode to episode to episode to episode to episode to episode and just keep going until you didn't want to be doing it anymore? And this, I guess the sweet irony of saying something like that is that that's exactly what they're doing with every property that's coming out from inside the Marvel showcase on Netflix. Right where it is just kind of dumped in your lap and now you get to take up as much as you want or as little as you want, as fast as you want. So it's very interesting, and I know it would be a mess to review if it was like that, but, man, it's sure as satisfying as a viewer. Mm -hmm. Meeting Gunner. I did not remember meeting Gunner, and in our prelude today before the program... You and I talked about how we'd already met Gunner. Yes. And that there was the baby that was involved that we eventually see inside this episode. I want to say episode four, episode three or four of this season. Okay. And I uh, didn't want to seem oblivious when you'd mentioned it, but I'm oblivious. I I totally hit that was well, on my again, mind. It, he hasn't really popped up in a major role since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the significance is that he was, he's evidently somebody respected in the community and when i say community this level yeah because we all know that every level has a human populace and they run things their their way there because they talk about it okay we got to get a hold of all the other groups right on all the other levels yeah the and factions all work that together blah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so evidently and gunner was one more of the kings, respected w- w- one of the one of the leaders of one of the factions uh, evidently evidently somebody people liked right and i do like that i like that that, that kind of leads back to that whole you know west side story-esque the, the jets are over there in the middle of 
floor number nine, whatever. Mm. And I like that. I like that. I, I know that I'd love to see more of that, and we're not seeing more of it because this is, for everybody that's forgotten, something that's on national television inside of the broadcasting cone, so the budget's not there to show these right, right. vast arrays of people, etc. But what they've given us is very, very good. <laughs> God Complex, A Visitor Awakens, and Quelling an Uprising. This all came off so shotgun quick, I didn't know what else to do with it. But it's phenomenal that you get to mention those three things inside of the cone of about a minute and a half inside the first ten minutes of this episode. Mm -hmm. Because it really does pack on the meat that fosters the storytelling, but most importantly, something you and I always talk about, the pace factor. Throwing in this much meat into the, 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 the chum, into the pool, this early in an episode, I think is awesome for an audience, especially one that's looking for answers. Like, I know I was looking for answers right. when we finished the last episode. Right. So th this was phenomenal, and I really love it. Let's break it down real quick. So the God Complex, we finally get to see what I think was going to be the original, eventual goal of Maximus inside of the Inhuman series. Mm. This guy that thinks that he is a god, he's the one up on the totem pole. This is what I think we should have seen from Maximus at like maybe the end of episode three. And then it is just this giant, not a game of cat and mouse at all, but it is I'm going to win, period, paragraph, you're going to lose. And I think if we'd had more of this inserted inside of that especially with that actor that really does have chops but only with what he's given and right. i don't think he was given anything uh, in this case we have chrysanthemum that is just ripping it up here acting wise absolutely uh, it even gets a little bit melodramatic but it's perfectly placed melodramatics mostly because a visitor awakens and changes the com the literal complexion of what we're watching inside of this television show no longer is it just we're we're watching a space based West Side Story-esque uh, fight against a tyrant. Now we're watching something where there's a completely different, quote-unquote, technology that's been made available that is now resurrecting dead people. Okay, well, that changes the game instantaneously because now everybody that's been off, off the slate that was dead, well, now maybe they aren't off the slate. Yeah. That was the second wonderful thing. Second wonderful thing. The third thing is I love it when bad guys talk about crushing the people that are lesser than them. Uh, and this was the perfect sprinkling of needs to be melodramatic, needs to be pointed, but more importantly, it needs to be evil. Well, yeah. Oh, and yeah. and the, the spectrum of acting that we get from the guy that plays Chrysanthemum here I thought was really, really good. I, I, he keeps upping the ante yeah. when it comes to being a villain. And I don't know how. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you think you get to the top parapet where you go, okay, you're on the railing. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Wait a second. Where did those extra two railings come from? That, that stacking of villainy is exactly what was needed inside of the Inhuman series, oh, even if it wasn't God, just yeah. Maximus, but something else where there was some peril. I feel imperiled just when I look at him already because of the great makeup effects. Mm -hmm. But when you hear him talk and his... His literal plans, especially at the end of this episode, I think it's really extraordinary and another step up in writing. The only the only drawback that I could see out of a villain like this is once we return to present day and we start another adventure, another mm -hmm. pod of episodes. Mm -hmm. So, okay, well, we've had this great villain here for the first half of the season. What have you got for us now, Marvel? Can you bring it? And, and so far, in the last handful of seasons, they've been able to not necessarily outdo, mm -hmm. but... Ramp the, the, ramp the story. They, they ramp the story yeah. to where each yeah. villain for each selection of stories is equal to each other. Some, yeah. some may be a, more of the comic booky maniacal mustache twirler, mm -hmm. but that's okay because it's a good salt and peppering of that because right. you need that, but then you also need the oh, I'm serious as hell, and I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm just going to snap my fingers, and people are going to die. Yeah, and this is the perfect segue to talk about something that I found online recently inside of my always interesting YouTubery hunt mm -hmm. that I experience every day for about an hour during either my lunch hour or as we're coasting towards the end of a workday. Uh, I'll jump on to YouTube, and what I found most recently was the wonderful, incredibly basic videos of one Doug Tenaple. Do you know who this is? No. Doug Tenaple, 
Are you familiar with the words Earthworm Jim? I am. Okay. The artist of Earthworm Jim, his name is Doug Tenaple, and he now has a YouTube channel where you're just kind of peering over his shoulder and he's talking to you. Hmm. And dude, I love that. You, I, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, none of it. But I'll tell you what, you want to get me intoxicated? Give me some more Doug Tenaple talking to you over his shoulder. <laughs> because it is. It, you, you get to see this incredibly brilliant man with an incredibly brilliant skill set for drawing talking to you. And I love that. I, I, I love that it, all the concepts that can be taken of what's on his mind, you know, how he's using his digital pen on this apparatus that he's using to draw, right. the, all of the habits that he thinks about, just like something will come up off the top of his head and he'll share all the details with you right there. I love that. That That is absolutely intoxicating to me because it's something most people never get the chance to do. The people that you revere and, and appreciate, and especially uh, it was a, a book he put out a couple of years ago that was a, a fan-funded book, and it is immaculate. It's this gorgeous leather book. Hmm. It's essentially a series of his uh, sketchbooks over the years, and depending on the level that you jumped in, and I jumped in high, I jumped in on the high <laughs> level intentionally because what you got was some custom hand-drawn panels that were ripped out of a sketchbook and then included inside the leather book that you got nice and i'm like well yeah what what doug tenaple fan wouldn't want that and that is exactly what is going on here and i love that that you you get to peer behind the curtain to to get more of what's going on i think that's incredibly valuable here levying the gravity storm against an 80 year old ship this is another giant score by the production design staff inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we've been heralding since day one. Right. They really do have their game on. We realize that this is a television budget, but they give us so many pinnacle moments inside of what you actually see inside the television, whether it's something that is uh, the way that it's framed inside of camera or how the people are interacting with it or in front of it or are parsed inside of the screen that you see it just gives you a full frame view of what this actually is meant to be rather than, Hey, look, it's a set. We put up a curtain and <laughs> right. try to pay, not pay attention to this corner of it. You don't have any of that. The, you really are where they are currently. You add on some great acting inside of this episode and uh, some, so I, some of the best shaky cam that's ever been done inside of television by yeah. the way, was not, uh, nauseating it wasn't in there to just be in there it was in there because it had purpose and there was intent and I really appreciate that for those of you that watch other programs and you realize oh look some shaky cam because it's oh Wednesday at 730 mm -hmm. awesome well, that's not what you're going to see here you're going to see something that has clear intent is done for purpose and to help foster the storytelling no gender no metal but tons of perfect levity and May being used perfectly as the straight man. This is one of my favorite pieces of this episode. We get to dig a little bit deeper, quite literally, into Enoch inside of this episode. Mm. Not so much metal, has no gender, and the levity that is provided is, dare I say, almost Data-esque. In that there are many... In fact, I think it's better than Data. Because Data had what seven seasons to develop as a character and then he went to movies and some of the stuff in the movies i thought was kind of cheese i didn't much care for it but the the very young years of data realizing who he is and who he's becoming as quote a person i thought that those years were excellent especially when he meets his brother and you meet khan Noonien singh and all of those things where you get the the building blocks of who data was and what you would get regularly is very much what you're seeing here where it's just dry humor enough to take the edge off of a very tense situation. And that's what they did here with Enoch, without question. The only way it plays better is you make May the straight man. Which and, is ironic because you would think Enoch would be the straight yeah, man because yeah. he does not seem to have a sense of humor, but he has personality. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and uh, again, he's been around for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, of course, you need to develop some sort of personality when you're centuries old. Right. The other thing to remember, too, is that his showcase inside of the shield that we talked about inside of, I think, either episode three or four, whenever we met him. You have to remember that inside of his showcase inside the shield, it was very much the same. 
where it couldn't get more dire that whatever this guy's going to tell you, you're going to be able to find a couple of cops that might be dead. Mm. Okay, well, it doesn't get any more serious than that. But when you listen to him inside that episode, well, it's funny as hell. Oh, yeah. You, are you the appropriate level to be talking about all of this? And, well, you know, w- we can do that, but these certain conditions must be met. And, oh, by the way, you can't go. It, it was very much the same, almost the same voice cadence inside of this this realm here. And mm. I really enjoyed that. A scripted mechanical banter that was missing in the previous episode. I couldn't quite put my finger on the actual verbiage that's used inside of this episode, but there was something mechanical that was riding behind the entire episode that made me feel like I was being carried inside of a story rather than being a pinball ball inside the last episode. Mm. It was here and it was tangible. And that's what was missing for me from the last story is that I, I, there was so much going on and I just felt like I was being kicked around like a a pinball ball inside of a pinball machine. And inside this episode, there was a definitive scripted mechanical banter from everybody that was included that kept me inside of a a lane of storytelling, even though that it was robust. It wasn't just, okay, you get this thin sliver of story. It wasn't that at all, especially as we're traversing through a number of different elements inside the story it really is good. It kind of goes back to the, the Doug to Naples stuff where I was going to go with that original point was inside of the videos he has, he talks specifically about how story works where there's a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. But then there's also elements of each of those units as well. And if you're missing any one of those units, guess what happens? Nothing good happens when you Mm. forget those elements. And that's what happens inside this episode that we're either missing or put into so strange a place inside the last episode. I was not getting what Mike brain needed to try to have a story that was given to me appropriately point by point. It all really comes down to the pacing. The previous episode did not have the proper pacing. Uh, Again, it seemed like every time we flash back forward, it, it was almost like we're on a speeding locomotive and then all of a sudden somebody grabs the brakes. Yeah. Now you're constantly. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> this, we're back to the proper pacing. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. episode flowed to the point to where all of a sudden it's over and I'm realizing, are you kidding me? 44 minutes have already gone by. Yeah. Yeah. This this episode yeah. flew by me. Yeah. No, I agree with To that. the point to where I had to watch it a second again. time yes. because I yes. not not that I missed anything, but you want to take I it in wanted again. to. Yes. I wanted to take it in again. Yes. And that is the magic of what I think just about every episode to one color or another over the last three seasons ish mm. has provided for us inside of agents of shield. And that's again, I'll put this program, even the one, the episodes that I don't care for, i.e. the one we just finished. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll put this up against any other show, regardless of the genre, because it is the one where I go, okay, well I just finished it, but you know what? I could watch it again and, and know that when I did watch it, I would get something else that I didn't get inside the previous watching. And that's the tale of a really great tale being showcased. I love that tying the long game from father to son deke's father's habits via voss boy this was cool too and it really is inside of the little things inside of the very first meetings of jumping in with deke and then deke looking like he's actually screwing everybody he talks about i'm in it for the i'm in it because of the long game Okay, well, that's used again here, but from a different character referring to the same process, i.e. Deke's father also played the long game. That's why he was able to win for as long as he did. Uh, I really appreciate the small stuff like that because it's all connective tissue. The more connective tissue you give me to the characters, especially the ones that we haven't met for any period of time, the faster you're going to have me inside of your program. And this one absolutely had me. Well, you can only piece together who Deke's parents were, especially his father. From what he has told Daisy mm-hmm. and from what we have learned from Voss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this right here throws in the element of whose side is Deke going to be on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specific, and, and we've been asking that question for a while since, mm-hmm. since really we've met him. Mm-hmm. But it's really important now to, to know Whose side is Deke on? Cement, right. right. Needs to be some cement here so you can begin building. And there's, while watching the episode, there's some questions you, you kind of wonder, who is, is he is he going native? Is he going to stick with, you know, his, his people and his timeline and everything there? Or 
are we going to get the hero that Daisy might have sort of thought that he might have been in the beginning of this season? Mm-hmm. The Dead Rise? Very interesting. It's not every show that will absolutely provide you a zombie factor in the middle. Well, it is. We're right in the middle of the season. This is episode nine of what's supposed to be 22 episodes. And hey, here's some zombie. And the the overriding factor here is that it's not quite zombie because we've got impact upon one of our team members, i.e. Phil Coulson, that is in the same family vein of being resurrected, i.e. it's Cree technology, asterisk, because Phil doesn't look like he bled out and still has the cavernous missing piece of his chest, where you look at Tess, and clearly Tess looks like she was hung about two minutes ago. She's got the big giant raccoon eyes, and you'll note that she's got this wonderful turtleneck that is obviously going to be hiding this ridiculously hideous lynching bruise from the rope slash whatever she was hung with. So it's in the same family and vein, but it's specifically something different. I can't figure it out if it's just because it's what Chrysanthemum's version of what happened to Phil Coulson was or something. It kind of makes me want to go back and rewatch earlier episodes from season one, (laughs) season two, to try to wrap my brain around the Tahiti protocols because... Were they just using alien technology to try and bring him back to life? Or was there something specific? Mm, and better yet, maybe they didn't they weren't sure of how to use it. Right. And so it just turned out to be different. And so Phil is kind of mostly looking the same and human. He did have some side effects. He mm-hmm. had Memory some stuff block. in his mm-hmm. in, in his brain mm-hmm. that he had to get out. And once he got it out, once it was discovered, oh, it's 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 uh Cree language. It's a Cree language. We got to get it out of you. Okay. Well, once that was taken care of, he was fine. But that's also, I want to say it was, it's like children playing with a chemistry set. They really didn't know what they were doing with that Cree corpse. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. Now, there may be a technology that the Cree have to resurrect the recently dead. I, I don't know. I don't either. I think there's more answers that we need to, we're going to have to wait on for at least another episode or two before we before we find out what this, uh, the, the, the resurrection is all about. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. In fact, my next point that we'll just fold into here is, again, not quite the Tahiti process, but it surely is time to be cautious. And there couldn't be a more vital time to be cautious than look at the dead people walking yeah. among you now. The other thing that I, 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 I had to go back and again, when I watched it the second time, it is just her because what I thought there was, was an army of dead people. Oh, and that's no. where it would make me even more question what's going on because, okay, so now what is the, what is the team count? Mm. Is it where it would have only been her versus eight other people? Okay. Well, if it's now 10 versus the nine people inside the shield team, well, wait a minute, what are we doing? Mm. But no, it was it was just her. So that's a, that, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting take on what's going on there, but it really is time to be cautious. The first time that the time stuff made sense in about an hour. When we get to the piece of the gravitonium inside this episode, that banter between Fitz and Simmons inside of here is magical. Yes. I love it when it first happens and then as you can you can it's it's as if each of them had a halo with light bulbs that were turned off and then you can just start seeing where the light bulbs inside of their halo start turning on they both realize two things one Fitz goes off the deep end and thinks it's terrible because they're doomed on the other side not so strangely because it's Fitz and Simmons on the other side, you have Simmons that thinks that it's way more possible that what's going on is actually a path to solution rather than doom. And I love that. Getting that that dichotomy sandwich is a fun piece of storytelling. And that it's the two of them where they don't have to sit there and argue with each other about it either. It's just presenting factoids. Right. One is way more frustrated and leaning off the glass half full precipice. The other one is absolutely glass half empty. And that you can see both of those things at the same time and it fosters the storytelling, that's magical. Not only that, had a fraction of this conversation been presented in the previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. 
leaps and bounds when it comes to understanding. Yeah. We yeah. are left comprehension. We yeah. are left yeah. scratching our heads with episode eight. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for a fact we, we spent a lot of that episode debating what are the rules of time travel? What, is this a loop? Is this linear? What, what the hell is going on? And there was no picture to help us put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. This conversation, not only did they show us the picture on the front of the box of the puzzle, but they've also put half of it together for us. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, here, we, we, we're finally going to say, this is it. I'm not saying that it should have been in the previous episode. It would have helped if it was in the previous episode. But then you take it away from this episode, and then you're messing with the pacing of this one, and I don't want to mess with the pacing right. of this one well, because the pacing is great. Yeah, the reason it wasn't in the previous episode is because then you totally detract from the maze of mother end moment of the last episode. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that was one of the few pieces that you and I got and we liked inside of the last episode the rest of it was it was, it was presented it was, it was we just got there. it we understood it. Yeah. it i don't i still don't think that it was important though all right connective tissue right or, or at least they haven't shown me how it's supposed to be important. yes i know i agree with that because i'm with you you and i are you and i are in the exact same boat of the last episode for different reasons there's no question <laughs> giving up convincing the rest and who was this gunner guy this is very interesting. You have Mac and Yo-Yo. They're going to give themselves up. Convincing the rest of them, that scene was gold. It was, it was a gold moment for Mac to be addressing the people around them, none of which wanted them to give up. Mm-hmm. None of which wanted to give up. And the convincing moment for them, I thought, was just extraordinary. Again, the, the reintroduction slash sliding the cart across the table of Gunner an afterthought that, again, blew right by me until you're on my prelude for this episode. I didn't mean anything to me. But that, that scene there with Mac and Yo-Yo and them explaining to the rest of the people there that they need to go. This needs to happen. So, again, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the in this case, two. Right. And I love that. You're preying on nostalgia. You're, you're preying on... Uh, basic fundamental needs that I hope a lot of people take in, in their lives as as truth. And it was great to see this scene because, again, Mac, Mac addressing people's common sense buttons is a win for me, regardless of what he's doing. He could be over there telling them, you know, it's really important to eat carrots. And I think I'd be there, dude. You right. know, like, here, here's a, here's a bag of frozen carrots. Sell it, buddy. Sell it. And uh, I, 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 I'm really endeared by him, especially inside this scene. Well, it's interesting that you use the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the two. Obviously, going back to Star Trek to Wrath of Khan, I, I want to point out another thing. This particular scene is something we're not used to from these characters, specifically Mac and Yo-Yo. They don't give up. Right. And at this point in time, it looks like they're giving up. And, of course, it's all part of the plan mm-hmm. as the episode goes. But... At this point in time, I'm looking at Mac and Yo-Yo as also another thing from Kirk. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. No-win scenario, correct. And correct. The th- and for them to well be said. for them to be acting this way, I'm like, well, no, what? No, this is so out of character for you guys. Yeah. Because just two scenes earlier, you were rallying the troops, and everything was going to be fine, and, and you know nobody was going to stop you. What's going on? Now, great that you know you move forward in the episode and you find out what's going on. But at this point in time, I was I was very worried. Yeah. Well, hello, creepy McSilverballs. I usually hate things like this where the the villain slash enemy is just suddenly got a leg up because of accident slash insert circumstances. But this was excellent. This is where there are two people trying to escape what is doomed to go and take cover. And she just happens to slide right in the door. And it was perfect. It, <laughs> it, was, it, it was, was absolutely perfect. perfect for her. It was perfect. But here's the thing. If there's a small group of survivors, small group of survivors living on the Zephyr and this, this community, you would think that you would know everybody. That's Kimmy's coat. I recognize Kimmy. I, I, exactly. Where are you <laughs> going, Kimmy? Why are you coming back this way? 
Um, We're going that um, way. Well, suit yourself, Kimmy. Um, I don't have anything to share right now. Thank but, you. I, I know. And the thing was is that it moved the story along. They, they were in a hurry. They were in a hurry. They were in a hurry. Life, peril, everything. It was Graviton up the ass if they don't go and take cover, and so I was absolutely fine with I, it. I understood it, but I kind of chuckled to myself going like, yeah. wow, you, security in this place sucks. <laughs> you, I know that, I think you've actually mentioned it. I don't know whether it was on, uh, on mic or not, but you've mentioned where either at your 9 to 5 or somewhere, somewhere you've been privy to a fire. Yes, and I would I would put this squarely in the same concept of a fire where yeah sure everybody knows hey look the building's on fire we need to not be inside the building but everything else inside the building during those very severe moments when you need to just get the hell out yeah. all kind of blurs and you don't really actually remember anything except where you are putting your feet I, I'm I, I chalked that up to this but I love this and I made sure to make a note of it because I did love it that much. <laughs> Choking the gal that got hung. Not so nice. This is very interesting. Chrysanthemum wants to yield more power and show what an asshole he is. Oh, yeah. And so he, he chooses to, to grab Tess by the kind of chin, neck, mouth area and just choke her on some more. And I'm like, boy, that's pretty low. <laughs> Not only are you... you you're you you're choking her. the zombie girl Got who on. died... From being stabbed through the heart and choked and, yeah. hung, and hung, hung, yeah, insult to injury. Yeah, but again, it cranks up the chrysanthemum total a-hole factor, so giant bonus. Chrysanthemum knows yo-yo. Hmm. Dude, we're 70% through the episode, and the we- the wheels continue to churn for exactly what in the hell is going on here? That's the mark of true storytelling, because while you're delivering the goods and the answers that fit as puzzle pieces, there's already something else spooling up for you to take a nice big chunky bite on when the episode finishes. Mm -hmm. And I called total awesome on that. Those are the pieces of storytelling that, and I'm not being facetious, I don't think at all, we can't go inside of any mainstream primetime television program and find something that clever I, I just i don't think it exists currently uh well i don't know i i if we had the time and i wanted to promote other shows i i might argue with you but this is about agents of shield <laughs> this particular scene made me think of one of two things okay one of two things possible yep either a the reason why chrysanthemum knows yo-yo is because of his seer, which we find out that he has at the end of the episode, or, and again, we have to go back to the previous episode. In the middle of the previous episode, during one of the flashback forwards, we see a very angry yo-yo marching off to fight somebody. We're led to assume that it's supposed to be the Kree, because it's the lighthouse, and the dredges of humanity are left here, and... Yo-Yo isn't having anything to do with being boot on neck. Mm -hmm. Right. And you got to remember, Kree have a different aging process than humans. Chrysanthemum was probably back there at that time as well. So there may be, it may be a possibility that Chrysanthemum knows Yo-Yo because he's met Mm Yo-Yo, just not that Yo-Yo yet. Right. So it's either timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff, or the fact that he also has a prognosticator right. of mm-hmm. his own. Mm-hmm. 11th hour humor, perfectly done. All right, so it's all hitting the fan towards the end of this episode. And the banter, the repartee, the relationships that are obviously cemented in now five seasons of a television program are all being stressed to the max because of, oh, by the way, doom over the shoulder. Look, it's a gravity storm ready to lay waste to our ass. And all of the banter is perfectly done. Mm-hmm. I don't know a way that the 85% mark of this episode could have been done better in particular, the actual audio commentary by every single one of the entourage that are presented. Mm. It was perfection. It's, it's again, where I, if I had to point to a sector of this season, I would point to this sector of the season and go, this is why this program is a not-missed television program. This is the 
relationship of a group of people who have been through the fires of hell, <laughs> some literally, yeah, and back again mm -hmm. for a long period of time. You're watching as everything is falling apart and the plan may or may not go off without a hitch. Mm -hmm. Of course, Enoch doesn't think it's going to work at all. Right. Because the odds of that happening are you know, just astronomical. Mm -hmm. But we know our we know our group. They've faced odds like this before. Yeah, and there, there's a piece like there's a piece inside of this too that really really struck me, and it's the part where they're running. It's almost it's not quite the baseball throw that we've talked about previously, mm. but it's where they're running through the entourage, <laughs> and you get to you get the fits. I knew this was an incredibly bad idea, <laughs> yeah. and then they go to Simmons, and Simmons starts apologizing, and I'm like, yes, We're so so sorry. <laughs> Again, this was just such a. And he's got her mom face on. <laughs> this is a, and Phil's over there, kind of being the, the 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 doting man with his almost with his arms akimbo, going, "Look at what I've built! I'm so proud of these people." As all hell is falling yes. around him, it, it, it's a wonderful piece of the program. But more importantly, it's a wonderful piece of the series, showcasing wonderful characters that really do. They they are they are puzzle pieces that I love to go and manipulate and then watch and stand back after I see the pieces have been manipulated on, onto the puzzle piece table. Uh, it, it's wonderful stuff and this is a pinnacle piece of this episode. The Daisy McSilver Balls bout. All right, so fun. Uh, this is definitively not the uber high level of special effects that we've seen previously. Definitely some wire work going on here. There's a couple of creepy McSilverball moments that, uh, look, they're on wires, but I absolutely skirt by it. Why? Because of the pace, because of the sound, because of the music, because I want to see some Daisy McSilverball's ass kicking. That's yes. why. Yes. Uh, it absolutely propels what's going on inside of their fight through any speed bumps that I have that may have occurred during any of those scenes inside the fight, which I thought was probably the perfect length. I was not looking for something that is that Indiana Jones-esque of man swirling sword and Indy pops out a gun and blows his head off. That's not what I was looking for. Mm, right. What I was looking for was something where there is a definitive skill set being shown. The only thing that was missing is we have been calling this girl creepy McSilver balls for nine episodes now. Where the hell are the silver balls? Hellraiser chains to the rescue. Ah, the Hellraiser chains once again make their merry way as Deke throws one of them towards Creepy McSilver Balls and then makes the whole thing unravel from that point on. Uh, the other fun thing that's fun and cool here is Deke's kind of I'm going to die repartee with Creepy McSilver Balls where, you know, he's punching her and he's hurting his hand. And oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. It was a piece of levity inside of an incredibly thick action moment that I thought was well-placed. Also allowing Daisy to shake the cobwebs off and yeah. get a uh, get the second wind going so that uh, she can finally uh, take out her opponent. I guess Creepy McSilver Balls gets the point. The point's pretty moot because, <laughs> I, you know, she's dead. But you know what? There, there's this magic Cree resurrection zombie potion. So, well, that's the other. That's the other thing is that death is now off the table. In, in my opinion, you could watch anybody inside of what we've seen so far inside this season, including all of our heroes. You could see anybody die. And it's a total asterisk moment. I, I really believe that. You know why? Phil Coulson. Want to know why? Tess. Want to know why? Whoever the seer is, is probably someone that is dead. Just saying. Chrysanthemum versus Maximus. Again. This entire last section of the episode is a dedication to what should have been at least a sprinkling of what we saw from, quote, Mad Maximus at the end of the Inhumans run inside of the Marvel's Cone of Marvel's Inhumans previously. And we got none of it from the guy that played Maximus inside of it. This is perfect street cred for an alien tyrant asshole. And it's perfectly executed inside the, the later portions of this episode. And it is what absolutely needed to be somehow quaffed and then given to the guy that played Maximus inside of Inhumans, especially towards the end when he was willing to destroy everything 
regardless of what anybody was going to do. Right. And we never saw that. We never saw that at all. Talking tech moment number two. The explosives. In particular, the lights and the impact. I'm trying to remember the last time we had a couple of talking techs inside of an episode. It's been a while. Um, well, There's a few episodes back. Yeah, but inside this episode, we got another one that I had to mention because it really was impressive. Not only was the original explosive device that Mac was holding slash manipulating interestingly placed where, you know, it, very often inside of especially television shows, you're going to see this magnificent device, like in the case of, say, Speed, where this magnificent device is presented and look at Soronate with wires and a countdown clock and little silver pieces of whatever because the bomb maker was careful. Blah. Right. All of those things are thrown out the window and instead you're given this device that's just kind of shoved in a corner. You would really never have noticed it had you not been looking for a device. That was the first thing. The second thing, though, are the lights on the recovered explosive devices that, when arranged inside of the one level that eventually blows up because Chrysanthemum sets it off, are wonderfully showcased inside that one shot where it's a dark room, but inside the room are the kind of red star pattern explosive mm. devices. Right. I thought that was incredibly well done. And then, of course, the impact of what it has and what it means when the devices go off. I love that, too. It's it's wonderfully descriptive. Every single piece of it, if it's not describing and fostering the storytelling, then it's actually showing you and fostering the storytelling. Right. And I love that. I love that anytime it happens. That's where we ask you guys, what did you see inside this episode that was a talking tech moment that we missed that we need to be talking about? Be sure to let us know by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and let us know what you think. <laughs> The no moment and what happened slash does Chrysanthemum think happened? And your answer would be what? I think he's screaming no because he's realized that he's been he's been duped. Bamboozled. Okay. Yeah. Because they even say, well, we know you're a talker, so we needed to. Yeah, drag it out. We yeah. need to drag it out. We needed to bide time so that the other people downstairs or upstairs, whichever direction, mm -hmm. can all work together and get all those bombs and then put them all in one place. Mm -hmm. Because now, Chrysanthemum has absolutely no, leverage no power whatsoever. Yeah, okay. I, I just, uh, his no moment, I, it came after the explosion, so I was curious on that. And really what I wanted to focus on here was the wonderful expression on the actor that is Chrysanthemum, who, by the way, after doing some digging, I found out that, ironically... He was in Flash Forward, a program that I did a podcast for when it was on. Wow. So th there's some connective tissue, and I, I would have never noticed him. I, I don't remember what and or who he was inside of that program. And obviously, I wouldn't recognize him because not only is he a decade older, he's also in blue makeup and an right. alien. So. <laughs> Time to break the special rock in two so here we are, we're, we're, we're chinking one of the totems slash monolith into two pieces here. I thought that that was an interesting choice. I, I still don't understand why, but hey, all right, I'll go when with When I it. think, is it not because if you take two and turn it into six, then you can operate the machine? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. They, yeah. haven't really, they haven't really they haven't explained, explained the it. machine, right. have no, they? I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> Chrysanthemum has a seer of his own. Uh-oh. And this is where we get to do a whole bunch of prognostication because we don't traditionally do it, but because it was the last little utterance of the episode, I think we shall. And begin, Nick. Very similar to my previous point about how he knows Yo-Yo. Mm -hmm. It could either be one... It could be several different things, but I would boil it down to one of two things. All right. One, he has an inhuman that has the ability to see the past. Mm -hmm. Or his seer is not necessarily a seer at all. It was somebody who was there. And he is now using, I, I don't know, torture or uh, Cree space gadgets to pull information out of this person's head. Okay. So was I the only person that thought, oh, hey, it's going to be Robin? 
I guess so, because I didn't think it was going to be Robin at all. Okay. Well, I wouldn't um, think so either, because I would think that because May is who she is, she wouldn't just leave the body. I mean, that's a total guess. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the body is still somewhere on the Zephyr. If not on the Zephyr, then a buried in place, crumbles, someplace. crumbled earth, rocks, yeah. stuff. Yeah, but and so I I have absolutely no idea where that's going. But I've got to damn tell you, I I want to know, and I've it's going to get me screaming back for the next episode. I've for sure. got I've got two possibilities. All right, let's hear it. If it's somebody that was there, and this is how this is how I look at it. It's 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 not it's linear time travel. So our heroes have returned to the past. Things have happened the way that they're going to happen, and Chrysanthemum back then takes a hostage. Or kill somebody and uses his voodoo zombie magic and has brought said person back to life or has kept them alive all this time. Mm-hmm. Coulson would be one option to where you could go for the whole tortured, broken down, oh my God, Phil Coulson. Uh, very similar to the the older Janeway at the end ending of uh, Star Trek Voyager. I have no idea what you're talking about, Nick. Whatever. There are a lot of people out there that actually liked Voyager, Mike. Take your prejudice to Voyager and take a short walk off a long pier. Or, and this is the this is the bet that I'm I'm this Riding is on. the choice that I'm betting on. Mm-hmm. I think it's Mac. Interesting. I Interesting. think it's Mac because of how Yo Yo behaved in the flashback forward of the previous episode all right well there's two things i want to mention here the first is once again uh, we don't typically jump into the middle of seasons like this and mention input from a listener traditionally we'll take the listener inputs over the entire season and then showcase them at the end of a season but i have to recognize the outstanding and detailed efforts of mr eric stone who has contacted us a variety of times during this season, in particular after last episode, because of the gargantuan question marks from both you and I. Yes. Uh, he has appeared over at our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Facebook presence over at facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. I'd like all of you to take a very interesting moment to go over there and read some very detailed information and speculation about what is actually happening with the timeline that you're viewing here as well as just say hi to Eric. He has been a, a very dedicated listener and uh, one whose efforts to try and help both Nick and I understand what's going yes. on here are beyond reproach. And again, a giant nod of the cap to you, Eric. Excelsior. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, be sure you go and do that. Again, you can see all of that over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in there or start one of your own threads and let's talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 9, Best Laid Plans. We're running a little bit long here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The number one question for those who have a podcast is simple. Why are you still editing your podcast? The answer? Editorcore.com. Look, I've been podcasting for over 12 years now, and the bottom line is, if I could travel back in time via whatever time machine I had at my disposal, I would jump back to the beginning of my podcast career and tell myself to not edit my own podcasts. That day is here with EditorCore.com. Save the time you waste editing your podcast every single episode. 
get your podcast edited by experienced seasoned podcast editors over at editorcore.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com. Mom and Dad always said, never talk to strangers. But stranger danger never applied to new podcasts. What better way to figure out whether you want to stick with your new podcasting relationship than to get inside the minds of the hosts? Take a deeper look on what makes these horror hosts tick at TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 5, Episode 9, Best Laid Plans. Every time we come back from break, it's time to crack open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers focus on either an actor's portrayal, a scene inside of this episode, or something else that tripped our collective evening fantastique. Nick, what have you got for this episode? My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier this episode is going to be filled with Deke. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We We have a character that has been morally ambiguous the majority of this season. Mm-hmm. And finally, he makes a choice. Mm. Instead of following what Voss and a handful of the other followers of Robin felt was the proper way to go, is, you know, sacrificing Daisy, Deke decided to make the decision to be to throw his space hat in with the heroes. Mm -hmm. And if you take these nine episodes, flip the focus away from our main characters, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and boil it down to just watching Deke and his journey, it's a very interesting story to behold. That is a very interesting story, completely. And this episode, I'm not saying it's the ending of that that road, but this was definitely the first time I felt that he's more in column A, hero, than column B, morally ambiguous slot to be in the morally ambiguous He's not slot. so morally ambiguous yeah. anymore. Yeah. No, and again being uh, being able to make that call, to call that ball as we get in this deep into this episode. I thought that that was also good. My shield dossier inside of this episode has got to be dedicated and filled with a showcasing of our entourage. One of the things that's missing inside of I think probably every movie but definitely every television show is something other than a time to throw the ball around the infield moment, which always happens inside of police procedural televisions where I think I see it the most, where if there are five characters interacting, you'll get the, uh, the crime, you'll get the hunting for the criminals, you'll have the showcasing of the criminal, you'll have the just about done, but wait, there's this, then you've got the crowning achievement of them beating the criminal inside of the episode and then you've got what I always call the baseball infield throw. Mm. The baseball infield throw is where if there are five characters essentially standing in a a circle you'll have the guy that's standing at third base look at the guy that's standing at second base and then the guy at second base looks at the guy that's standing at shortstop and shortstop looks over at the guy that's playing first base and the first baseman of course looks back at the pitcher and everybody's happy. 
<sighs> that's not an interacting of the entourage. What we're given inside of this episode, that is an interactivity of the entourage inside of a modern day television show. And that we're given it so wonderfully inside of tasty sandwich portions is great inside of this episode. Mm. There's nobody that's just left off in the dark. It would have been very easy to leave May, who had the showcase inside of the last episode, almost completely off of this one. Instead, she's used as wonderful supporting material inside this episode to give everyone else a chance to get what needs to happen inside the episode. Right. Uh, even Phil Coulson, who's not terribly featured inside this episode, but he does get some time. And all of that time being shared throughout the episode, as well as that giant pinnacle hot fudge Sunday moment where everybody thinks this is this just might be it. And especially when you get um, Simmons apologizing, man, I'm telling you, that was just that was brilliant storytelling. All of that repartee, the the ability to showcase the relationship, that is what my shield dossier is filled with. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your Shield dossier this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click contact on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. It's time for the rating during this episode of the Agents of Shield podcast. Our rating works thusly. 10 is on top. A pinnacle of relationship production material for the script inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A 1 is down on the bottom. Maximus. Everything starts at a 7, which is an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halfsies. Nick, what do you got? I've discussed this, uh, I, I believe, on this show and... Quite possibly during some of the episodes of uh, Two Guys Talking Horror, especially when we go off on a tangent and talk about network television and how cable is uh, not necessarily, they, they've pegged it and they've got it right, but they definitely have a good idea. Network television still suffers from one thing, the 22 to 24 episode order. Yes. Yeah. Meaning that you have to fill... 22 to 24 episodes of content mm -hmm. and one would hope that every single one of those episodes is quality one would think that if you're a show that's on for a long period of time you're going to have that actually the, that's the opposite when you're on for a long period of time you're going to run out of story ideas you just are mm -hmm. you're going to run into a rut you're going to end up doing a filler episode you're going to end up starting your characters down a path that, oh, five episodes in, you realize, ooh, no, shouldn't have done that. So let's backpedal our way out of it. The last two episodes prior to this definitely had speed bumps for the both of us. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, because the show is so stellar. And I believe, again, that this show could benefit greatly from a condensed season. Not necessarily saying 10 to 13 episodes, but maybe 15 to 18. Shorten it a little bit, therefore you can manage the level of quality. After the previous two episodes, the speed bumps that we've had there, it was refreshing to return to the old formula. The pacing was there. The pacing was there so much that I realized 44 minutes into it, when it was over, I had just sat there engrossed for 44 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. We're back to a 10, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that we stay there. So, again, 10. I think 10's a wonderful number, mostly because I know when I finish it and I'm ready to watch it again with no trepidation and no finger on the fast forward button waiting for things that either didn't interest me or I didn't really care about. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of those moments when I watched it the second time. I literally got up, went and got a soda pop, came back, sat down, and watched the episode again. That should be the value statement for every single episode of everything, mm -hmm. not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You want people to be that engaged where they could just sit right back down and watch it again. If not right then, then another time in the future when you go, you know, I, I want to see that again. That's the whole goal. 
you can get people to sit down and watch your television show five, six times. So, right. Yeah, that's exactly what you want, uh, especially in something that's in a library archive form, which this show turns into the day after it's shown on national television. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, it, it's a perfect set. And when things are perfect, they get a 10. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 5, Episode 9 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, Best Laid Plans. Let us know what you rate this episode by going over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out that quick web form, and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication.